Before we continue, we'd like to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Newcastle Business District. The Newcastle Business District continues to promote, develop, and enhance our downtown business area through community projects, promotions, and economic development. It was first created in 1983 under the name Newcastle Business Association and was renamed Downtown Miramichi Business Network. This was following Newcastle's incorporation into the new city of Miramichi in 1999. In 2006, it was renamed again to Newcastle Business District. Despite the many changes in its name over the years, the organization's goal has always remained the same, which is to further enhance the active growth of the downtown business community, Newcastle Business District. Shop Downtown Newcastle. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, and uh, we're back for another episode of the podcast. Um, so uh, I just wanted to say, uh, so last week, of course, uh, I was joined by uh, uh, Trent Power and Kate Berry, of course, uh, the stars of the Mary Valley High School Drama Club's production of Cinderella. Uh, I just want to take a moment and uh, congratulate each and every one of them uh chris matheson uh and just everybody involved with the production amazing job oh my god it was just un- unbelievably good um uh it it just feels so great you know we had no theater for you know two like two nearly three whole years and uh with covid and everything now it's like back at full force and it's like it never even left um so congratulations to uh, the cast of Cinderella and the entire drama club for a very successful production, and uh, definitely uh, stay tuned for their for their future shows. Uh, I I I was I, like <laughs> I can't put into words how much uh, how much fun I had watching it. Um, I even had a five year old niece who uh, couldn't get over ju- uh, just how amazing it was. So uh, hats off to them, amazing job, and uh, thank you to Kate and Trent for coming on to talk about it last week. And uh, for those who missed it, well, it was your loss. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so today's uh, episode of the show, uh, we are going to be joined by uh, Mr. Eben Matthews. Uh, Eben, uh, he is the co-founder of of uh, Macroverse, and some of you are probably wondering what is Macroverse. Uh, Macroverse is a web entertainment studio that rewards its community, collectors, creators, and collaborators for supporting upcoming blockbuster franchises uh, spanning from comics, TV, gaming, animation, movies, you name it, uh, they support it. So, Eben is going to be uh, chatting with me today a little bit about uh, the origins of Macroverse, uh, a podcast that uh, he he uh, partook in for many years, um, some, some, some of his projects, and uh, how how you can be involved with Macroverse and how it uh, benefits the entertainment uh, world as a whole. Um, later in the show, uh, I'm going to be discussing uh, a little bit of uh, not controversy. I mean, some some people might say controversy, but uh, um, um, backlash that James Gunn has received for um, basically doing his job uh, <laughs> for uh, promoting a Marvel movie over DC movie, which he's the head of. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about that more at length when we get there. And uh, we're also going to talk about uh, the charges against Alec Baldwin being dropped. Uh, this is something that I've pretty much been following since day one. Talked about it on probably like one of the first few episodes of the podcast. Now the charges are dropped. Let's talk about it. So, without further ado, guys, enjoy the show today, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in just a few minutes.
Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Corkin Entertainment Show. Uh, I'm your host, Frankie Corkin, and today I am joined by Mr. Eben Matthews. Uh, Eben is the co-founder of Macroverse, which is a web entertainment studio that rewards uh, its community, collectors, creators, and collaborators for supporting the upcoming blockbuster franchises, uh, whether it's comics, TV, gaming, anima- uh, animation, movies, and lots more. Uh, we're, uh, Eben, it's great to have you on here today. Awesome to be here. Thanks so much. Yes, of course. It's uh, my pleasure to have you on. So tell me a little bit about uh, the origins of uh, Macroverse, like how you started. You're the co-founder. So uh, uh, so how did the whole thing uh, come about you and uh, your other co-founder? <laughs> yeah, uh, two other co-founders, actually. So I'll give you our uh, our secret origin story, um, starting with myself. So I have an illustration degree, you know, one of those kids that was drawing all the time. Um, ended up going to art school and I thought I was going to come out and draw comics that's you know comics were kind of my first love I learned to read from comics I went to tons of comic conventions you know classic kind of geek stuff uh, as a kid Um, and uh, so I went to art school you know thought I was going to come out and professionally make comic books and instead started a branding and media agency (laughs) so for anyone that uh, is old enough to remember the days when Flash was taking over the web and everything was animated and interactive, like that was our sweet spot as a company. And that was my first company. And so, you know, we were kind of doing high end interactive web development for uh, mostly kind of Fortune 500 companies and then also video game uh, companies. And so we started to kind of make some inroads into the entertainment industry through that process. And we ended up producing some animated pilots with a South Korean partner, uh, making children's books for Target, you know, things like that. And I met my co-founder, Adam. Uh, and, and during that time, and we became friends. And as we became friends, we started to realize that he was coming up in traditional film and television on the production side. You know, I was running this agency and might have been a couple drinks involved. And one night we had this kind of simultaneous revelation. We were like, you know, we're just going to be making stuff for other people for the rest of our lives. And we want to tell our own stories, want to make our own content. And so this is a uh, post 90s indie film boom, you know, Hollywood, we're both in Los Angeles. And so the answer was like, oh, we'll write a screenplay, we'll become famous directors, we'll follow the, you know, Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez trajectory. And so, you know, we did, we wrote a screenplay that did get optioned, we landed at one of the big talent agencies for a little while and did a ton of traditional Hollywood pitching. So, you know, had a few projects which almost sold and moved forward. But for one reason or another, didn't. And then we found our way into the video game world, writing, directing, and producing game content for the next decade. Um, So we did, we were successful to some degree in that we were able to kind of now be creating, you know, our own content or creating content more from a, a, you know, writing, directing, producing standpoint. And that's where we met our third co-founder, Ricky. So Ricky uh, start of the mobile gaming division at Disney has been in the video game world for 25 years at this point. And we worked on a couple of projects with him. And then, you know, you and probably many of your listeners have probably had the experience where you meet someone and you're like, we're probably going to end up doing something together. We don't quite know what it is, but let's stay in touch and, you know, kind of hope we figure that out. That was our relationship with Ricky for years. It's like we would get together for lunch and we talk about what we're doing and what he's doing and try to find like, you know, how is is there something here? And, you know, there wasn't for a while. And then finally there was. And so the final piece of this puzzle 
is that I produced a graphic novel series for a movie called The Boondock Saints. And that's what brought me back into comics. Ooh, so, that's uh, Norman Reedus, right? Norman Reedus. That's Norman, Norman Reedus, John Patrick Flannery, you know, big, big 90s kind of cult hit. Um, so, you know, I, I had a chance to put this graphic novel series together. As I said, I was a you know lifelong comics fan. And my superpower over the course of my career is say yes and figure it out. So, you know, I got this chance to put this together. Yes, of course, I can figure out how to put this together. But that meant going into the comics industry you know, finding the publisher, dealing with distribution, getting us into Barnes and Noble, putting together this, you know, all all over the country convention circuit with the actors, you know, kind of putting this whole thing together and actually producing this book and getting it out and selling it, you know, all that stuff. So it gave me this really unique, I think, 360 degree view of the comic industry that a lot of people don't actually see all of the different pieces that go into doing that. And we came out of that experience with a successful, you know, launch, a, a you know, really well received, um, you know, series. And myself and Adam at that point said, you know, we want to do more in comics, and especially, you know, using this as a way to tell our own stories to kind of go back to that original, you know, I, original thing that got us kind of moving in this new direction. But we also re recognize that the way that the traditional comics industry works is incredibly challenging for independent creators. It is the 1% of 1% of people that are going to you know, break through that in any meaningful way. And the life of an independent comic creator, you know, I, I, I have tons of friends who are those people and I love their work, but the struggle is real. <laughs> and oh, so absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And so we wanted to kind of rethink how that worked and also try to solve some of those problems as creators, as creators ourselves who have been on every side of this equation, we're like there has to be a better way to do this. And because we had this background in technology and building product and, you know, other forms of entertainment, we just thought we were crazy enough to, you know, try to figure out a, a solution to this. So we spent about two years trying to answer two questions. And so question number one is, is there a digitally native format for comics? Like if you look at the rest of the entertainment industry, everything is going digital. Comics have always refused to go digital. The best we've been able to do in the comics industry is a PDF on an iPad or a <laughs> web page that you scroll. So like these are the two digital formats for comics. And we thought there has to be something that makes more sense that's native to what does digital do that you couldn't do otherwise. And so we we finally think we figured that out. We can dive into that if you want to, but it's called a tap story. And, you know, we, it's a whole different way of thinking about storytelling as, you know, for comics in a digital format, critically without changing the art form itself, which I think is really important. Oh, um, wow. And so that's number one. And then number two, looking at it from the creator side and from the business side, we thought, is there a business model for independent creators in particular that makes sense here? And so our thought process and kind of the origin for Macroverse was, okay, if Webtoons, which has become by far the biggest, you know, distributor and, and kind of source of digital comics, 100 million monthly active users, if Webtoons is YouTube for comics, which it very much is, where's HBO? And that became the thesis for Macroverse is can we build this very highly curated, super high quality, you know, kind of platform that allows creators to really directly benefit from the readership that they are able to engage um, in this in this app. And so that's what we did. We built this app. We brought about 100 creators on board. 
We've launched about 500 episodes of content. We've got another 500 or so that have been produced, and we've got about 40 series in production right now. Um, and that's where we started was on the mobile side. And then the evolution of that gets into collectability and Web3 and kind of a whole new kind of approach to this, that's, which we're getting ready to launch over the next couple of months. But let me stop there <laughs> and uh, see where we want to go. Well, that's quite the empire, though. You're building quite the empire for yourself. Like that's really good. And uh, what year did uh, uh Macroverse start again? Like when did you? What year? We, we launched the mobile app almost three years ago now, and then we've been building out this entire kind of next generation iteration of the platform over the last eighteen months or so. Oh, okay, right on. So, how would you compare it from where it started as uh, to where it is now? Like uh, in terms yeah. of uh, changes, and uh, I well, mean, <laughs> when you're running a business or any type of thing, like uh, like you always gotta be uh, ready for change. I mean, even me yeah. doing uh, my 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 theater business. Things can change, especially, you know, with COVID and, uh, you oh, know, yeah. oh, crap, you got to delay this show because of the virus and this and that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, really, with anything, you you always got to be ready. So how would you compare from where you started yeah. as opposed to now? So it's it's been quite an evolution. I think the biggest change is that we really did have a moment really because of the pandemic. So, you know, there's a, a group of people, which we will say we're a part of that, you know, ended up in these clubhouse rooms in the beginning of the pandemic. And that was when the beginnings of kind of Web3 and NFTs, you know, started to really take off. And so we were kind of in these rooms where artists and other creators are talking about, you know, what this new technology is and what it might allow people to do. And the the light bulb moment for us really was collectability. It's like, you know, when you think about comics in particular, I've got 25 long boxes of comics that I've collected since I was 11 years old. You know, comics and collectability are just a natural fit. And so there's never been a way to collect digital comics. And now being able to bring this kind of new technology to it um, in the form of NFTs using a blockchain that allows for this kind of collectible technology layer is something pretty cool. And so we've developed a whole way of doing this, which is unique that no one's ever done before. Um, and so we had, you know, as a startup, we honestly had to have a moment between myself and my two founders. We were like, we can keep growing the traditional app, the traditional Web2 business. We kind of know how to do that. It's, you know, Facebook ads and Instagram ads and kind of the traditional playbook for app marketing. Or we can shift our focus and build what we think is going to be the future of all of this, which is going to enable a lot more creators to do a lot better over the long term. Um, which are we going to do? And so we ultimately decided to take what might be the riskier path, which is you know to rebuild this whole platform. So over the last 18 months, we've really focused on creating tons of content. So while we've been building out this app and platform, we've also been creating a ton of content behind the scenes, which we haven't released yet. So we've literally got 40 series in various stages of production that haven't come out yet. Um, and then we've got this technology infrastructure that we've built, which we're getting ready to release over the next couple of months which will enable true digital collectability and all kinds of un other kinds of things, which are sort of the, the side effect of that and the process that we've gone through, which you know we can get more into, but it rearranges the way that fandom can participate in the way that franchises are created. Excuse me. And so I think that's really the key difference is that rather than us making stuff for the audience, we've really found this kind of magic in making stuff with the audience or with the fan base, if you will. 
Um, and I, I will shut up again momentarily, but you know, the, it, it, it makes me think of, you know, when I was 14 at Dragon Con in Atlanta and, you know, one of my first comic conventions and I was hanging out at the Marvel booth. If someone at the Marvel booth had said, Hey, do you have any ideas for what Spider-Man should do, you know, next month? Like not only would I have been thrilled to have had that conversation, but if that actually made it into the final product, like that would have been such a dream come true. And we're now able to do that with fans and community members, actually let them participate in the creative process as well. Um, it's kind of cool. And that's great. And, and, uh, any type of collaboration with with yeah. the community is always so so uh, amazing. It helps create bonds. It's it it helps people express their creativity, and that's just a great network uh, for you to to uh, be able to uh, uh, do just that. Amongst all uh, the uh, entertainment uh, enthusiasts, um, what is probably the most popular piece of entertainment within uh, Macroverse? Like you mentioned, Marvel, yeah. that's got to be up there, yeah. is it? Well, so, I mean, we've really focused on primarily independent creators and and finding what we think are the kind of really underexposed gems that are either out there that we could adapt to the platform and original content. So we've produced a bunch of original content as well. So if you look at, you know, kind of the HBO lens again, it's kind of looking at what are the kind of great movies that, you know, maybe aren't as exposed to a broad audience. And then what are the kind of original shows that, you know, we think we're kind of uniquely capable of making. And so, you know, when I look at the comics industry, Marvel and DC have got superheroes pretty much locked down. So I think it's really challenging to launch new superhero franchises. And I generally, you know, advise people to look somewhere else <laughs> in, <laughs> in general we we had the comics industry is littered with the bodies of companies that have tried to launch new superhero universes um but i think you see the you know things like the walking dead or things like saga or you know thing a lot a lot of what image does i think is really the right move for comics where it's you know let marvel and dc do what they do and then what's the unique voice that other creators bring to the table that has the ability to have a big impact and, and build an audience for other types of material. And so that's been our focus for our, you know, kind of content strategy is we don't have a particular genre that we lean into. We don't have a particular style that we lean, lean into, but we're looking just for stuff that has a, a clear voice, a unique point of view and is super, super high, high quality. Um, so to answer your question more directly, you know, three series that I would recommend that people check out on our app right now uh, one is our original flagship series, which is what we actually launched the app with, which is called Dead Town, which is this kind of post-apocalyptic neo-noir. Um, you know, I like to describe it as kind of The Last of Us meets, uh, you know, your your a touch of evil or, you know, your kind of favorite film noir movie. Um, so, you know, there's there's that one, which actually myself and Adam Wright as well, and an incredible artist named Stephen Perkins, you know, brings that world to life. Uh, there's a series called Hex 11, which is uh, all female creative team. That's essentially Harry Potter meets Blade Runner. Um, and it is absolutely spectacular. The, you know, the art is as good as anything you will find in the comic store. And this is one of those teams where it's like, they just chose to do it independently. They don't have to do it independently. They could easily walk it over to image and have it, you know, be picked up but they've just chosen to go this road. And so, you know, being able to bring a bigger spotlight to that is something that we absolutely adore. Um, and then a third series I'd recommend is uh, the other, the one that's actually currently coming out on the app is called Darkland, which is from the producer of Portlandia. 
Um, and uh, it's essentially Game of Thrones set in hell. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I will give a little content advisory warning for uh, for Darklands. Our our uh, basically we we said if they could do it in Game of Thrones, we could do it in Darklands. So we're definitely pushing the envelope there as far as content a little bit, but it's really entertaining and really fantastic. The ultimate crossovers. I, I love that they're all they're all this show meets this show, this show meets yeah. that show. I love that. Well, because <laughs> it brings multiple people together. So if you're yeah. like, oh, like. Like um, what was the one uh, like The Last of Us meets uh, what? Sorry, uh... oh, A Touch of Evil, which is a classic film noir movie. No, oh, uh, uh, uh there we go. If no one likes uh, The Last of Us, but A Touch yeah. of Evil, ooh, I like yeah. that. I'm kind of curious yeah. to to see that. So it really brings everyone together. And then oh, so it was The Last of Us was inspired. Okay, I'll check out The Last of Us, and then it inspires you to check out The Last of Us. Yeah. Like it's all it all it all kind of ties together in a neat uh um uh uh uh. uh fashion um yeah. so um tell me a little bit about the uh mobile uh app uh as well uh what's it called where can people find it uh download yeah. it just on the app store yeah. correct that's where well, on, on both ios and android just search for macroverse and um you'll see the you'll see the app again we've developed this new format called a tap story which you know creates a whole different reading experience for digital comics um, and, uh, yeah, there's about 50 series on there right now and a bunch more coming over the next, you know, six to 12 months. Oh, perfect. And, um, uh, I mentioned this, uh, before we started, uh, recording, but, uh, your podcast myth makers is uh, currently on hiatus, but, yes. uh, uh, feel free to uh, talk a little bit about that. Don't have to go too yeah. in depth because uh, obviously you guys are on, are on a bit of a hiatus, but, uh, I listened to a few episodes, so feel free yeah. to uh, do it. Just tell the audience, definitely go and uh, check yeah, it yeah. out. Like. Oh, for sure. I mean, so Myth Makers is a podcast that, again, my my writing partner, creative partner, co-founder, you know, Adam and I started uh, well over a year ago, actually, you know, probably four years ago at this point. And so I think we got, you know, I think we, we put out a, it was weekly for a long time, and then it was kind of intermittent for a little while. But I think we got close to 100 episodes that have been out. Um, and it's uh, it's actually a, a range of different things. Some of it is us just geeking out about pop, pop culture stuff, where there's a two hour long last Jedi episode where I very, uh, very much defend the last Jedi. So like that or hate that, uh, that would be a fun <laughs> one to jump into if you're a star Wars fan. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, shows that are on and, and also dissecting that stuff because as writers and directors and producers ourselves, like we started having these conversations mostly as a way to kind of share our own dissection of like, how is this working? And why is it working? And how are people approaching these things? There's a lot of craft conversation, there's a lot of geeking out. And then we also have a series of them, uh, which are called Makerverse episodes, which are deep dive discussions, which with a bunch of the creators that we're working with. So when we talk about, you know, Hex 11, for example, like there's a whole conversation with that creative team. Um, you know, Jason Brubaker, there's a whole conversation with him as a creator. So we have these kind of deep dive conversations with different creators on the platform, and then a bunch of kind of geeking out and how do we make stuff conversations as well. Okay, wow, definitely uh, interesting. So so that's uh, anywhere where a podcast or uh, listen to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay, perfect. So yeah, guys, definitely check out uh, Myth Makers on uh, all your your uh, podcasting uh, 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 streaming apps, and definitely be guys, be sure to download the uh, Makerverse app on uh, iOS. Oh, it's Macroverse. That's the Macroverse. Macroverse. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> it was so funny. I had this big talk with you before you started. I'm like, I want to make sure that I get all these names right. And then I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's just, <laughs> it's a lot of verses in our ecosystem. So a lot of verses. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, one of the multiverses um, that's right, that's right. <laughs> for all you uh, Marvel enthusiasts there. So Evan, uh, great talking with you. Uh, great to meet you. And uh, I'm definitely uh, going to check out all the apps and uh, listen to more of the podcast. Hopefully more come out soon, but yes. uh, thanks for, for, uh, for uh, coming on today. I mean, let me plug one last thing. So yes, I, go for it. Yes. I am also very available on social media. So, you know, by all means, I'm mostly on Twitter, but also on Instagram, but I'm Eben verse, another verse, uh, just about anywhere. So, you know, feel free to connect with me. I'm, you know, very much, uh, I, I love talking to fans and, you know, uh, collaborators and people that are interested in kind of making stuff and all of that. And then we also do have a Discord with a community that's very engaged in you know, this whole process as well. So that's discord.gg slash macroverse um, if you want to actually come and participate in some way. Okay, perfect. So there, guys, reach out to Eben. He's a very nice guy. He don't bite. Uh, so yeah. highly encouraged. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully uh, we can do this again sometime. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. It's great. Yes, no trouble. So we, we will take a short break, guys, and we will be back shortly. Thank you, Evan. Thank you. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Cork Entertainment Show. That was Eben Matthews of Macroverse. Thanks for coming on, Eben. Uh, uh, great chatting with him. Great, great chatting with people who uh, are uh, starting uh, platforms or have started platforms uh, to help people who uh, exp- uh, not only express uh, their their uh, love and their um, and their passion for entertainment and comics and this and that, but to also benefit, like, you know, uh, make money off it and all, and stuff like that. So that's, that was really, really good conversation. Uh, uh, so, um, anyways, yeah. So, uh, now I, speaking of comic books and, uh, movies and this and that, um, the first thing I want to discuss today is, uh, James Gunn. Um, James Gunn, of course, uh, the head of DC now, uh, but, uh, he's also, uh, probably, uh, best known, I would say, for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, having uh, written and directed all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and of course, Volume Three, which is coming out next Friday. I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm saying that. Super stoked. Um, and so uh, he's received a little bit of uh, backlash from uh, from com- comic book fans uh, or DC fans, I-, I should say. Not, I-, I make it seem like every. All the comic book fans are mad at him. But no, D- he responds to some uh, DC fans who are mad that he's essentially doing his job. Um, <laughs> it's just so funny that I'm even talking about this. Um, uh, and I think that's probably one of the reasons I want to discuss it. because it, it was the same with the John Leguizamo one when, when he was saying, uh, talking about, oh, uh, they need to splice up the ethnicities and this and that for the Mario movies. And uh, that was a big deal. And I'm just like... <laughs> with this this is so feels so weird like why are we you know but anyways so um what uh this this is from uh, comicbook.com so it says James Gunn responds to DC fans upset he's promoting Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy volume 3 um so uh I'm <laughs> just going to read it um 
DC Studios co-chair James Gunn is responding to fans upset that he's promoting Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, in October, Gunn moved uh, to Marvel's Distinguished uh, Competition, joining Warner Bros. Discovery's newly, newly unified DC Studio as co-chairman and CEO with producer Peter Safran to oversee the DC Universe across film, television, and animation. Kevin Feige, Gunn's Guardians producer and Marvel's chief creative officer, gave gun his blessing and said that the filmmaker overseeing dc's characters is exciting and it's very cool after he finishes guardians of the galaxy volume 3 of course with volume 3 not hitting theaters on may or wait uh, with with volume 3 not hitting theaters on may 5th um i think there's a mis mistake not hitting with volume 3 hitting theaters on may 5th i think there's a typo there um Gunn has been making the promotional rounds and shared a behind-the-scenes look from the set of his Marvel movie on Instagram. The worst business that DC could do was hire someone who advertises the competition, one fan wrote in the comments. Unbelievable. Now, can you imagine what their movies are going to be like? I think it's a disaster. Um... Uh, the last thing DC would want is for someone to, uh, who would spend the last 12 years of his life creating a series of films and then turn his back on his last movie. Um... And uh, so James Gunn responded to this on Instagram saying, the last thing DC would want is someone who would spend the last 12 years of his life creating a series of films and then turn his back on the last movie he created and poured his heart and souls into, as well as his collaborators and the investors. I wasn't hired at DC without everyone on board being clear, very clear and supportive up front and continuously through this process. So that's James Gunn, article was comicbook.com. Um, I, I go, I go, this, I'm always like questioning sometimes like people's, um, like, look, as I mentioned, I mean, like, you know, we're talking about macroverse and everything that it's great that people are, you know, they're, 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 they're so passionate about comic books, uh, uh comic movies and this and that. Um, but I, I think people need to understand like, uh, like, look, okay, I get it. Marvel and DC, like, they're two different uh, entities. Like, you know, it's like one, uh, people, one has, one has a huge fan base. They, the other, well, they both have hu hu huge fan bases, sorry. Um, they both have huge fan bases, huge followings. Um, and it's okay if people like one or the other, you know, like, like, I say this, I like Marvel better than DC. Um, although I do think that, uh, the recent, uh, DC film Batman, uh, The Batman, was probably better than a lot of the Marvel movies I'd seen within the last two years, uh, personally. Um, but I still stand as a Mar as a Marvel fan. Like I I I I prefer Marvel over DC. Nothing against DC. DC has some great stuff. Um, but like the way I see it, it's just like holy crap, guys! Like come on, grow up! Like seriously, grow the fuck up! It's just so stupid. Um. <sighs> I just find it so so childish when people are always just going on about, uh, oh my god, like he's he's doing his job. He he wrote Guardians of the Galaxy three, and it's like, well, yes, he wrote all the other ones. Like, and hell, he's getting paid good money for it. So yeah, of course he's gonna do his job uh, and make and make that money. Um, like it always just baffles me how people can just say well how dare he promote this movie that he did how dare he do that how dare he do this how dare you guys just sit around um you know fucking jobless and <laughs> just sitting around uh their thumbs up their asses you know meanwhile james gunn's out there like it's just 
you're gonna you're gonna bash on a guy for doing his job. I just find that like, oh, you know, I'll admit. I mean, like there, are, uh, I think a lot of us at some point along the way, you know, throughout our lives, we've you know maybe acted like entitled little babies. You know, like James James Gunn owes nothing to us. Like you know, we we owe James Gunn everything. If anything, we owe James Gunn everything for just all he's done uh for um for comic, like like uh, making some amazing comic book movies making Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy and uh just just being him. We don't owe him nothing, you know? So I just find it so stupid how people can be so entitled. Just oh, we he he deserves it to it. Like he like we're owed. We, we like James I'm so, yeah, I'm sorry. This got me at a loss for words. Whenever I'm talking about on the podcast, like how people are just fucking stupid, uh, it, <laughs> I just sometimes get so flustered and I get so like I don't know what I'm saying because it's just so stupid. Like, yeah, I mean with with James Gunn, you know, James Gunn's not gonna give a shit like, because in, in James Gunn's mind, like you know, he's running a DC. He's you know got a big movie coming out with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. In his mind, who gives a flying fuck what these people say? You know, like who 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 gives a fuck what these people say? Um, he's just like, I'm just gonna do my job. I'm gonna make my money. I don't you know I don't care what these people say. Um, but I just remember as soon as I read that, I was like, that just proves to me just the entitlement and um, how how low the human race has sunk where we're going to bash a guy for basically doing his job. Like, look, I get it, the competition and this and that, but, I mean, at the end of the day, like, come on, is it really that big of a deal? Like, I don't know. There, there's probably a lot more to it, and people, yeah, like, this, these are people's jobs. You know, it, it, it would be like a Walmart-Costco kind of a situation. So, I mean, okay, I get that, but um, I don't know. I just think it's just so stupid. Uh, personally, that's just me anyway. That's just how I feel about it. But it's like, to, c- come on, the the man is a like a god amongst comp not not just film, comic book movies in general. Like, uh, you know, of course, he did Suicide Squad. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy is some of the best ever, um, in my opinion. And Volume Three is just only going to escalate that opinion of mine, or or or, or sorry, further uh, uh, back up that statement that guardians of the galaxy is one of the best things in comic book history um and mainly due to james gunn because at at the time when they did guardians of the galaxy i don't think really anybody knew the guardians of the galaxy i didn't know the guardians of the galaxy until i saw the movie i'm like how the hell did i not know about them sooner um so yeah that's just where we're at with that uh i just think it's so stupid that people are blown up way out of proportion think he's oh you know how dare he do this how dare he do that well how dare you sit sit at home uh, just bitching about a guy who doesn't even give a shit, probably. Like, he, he's making bank. He's making bank. He's doing his job. He's doing his thing. He's passionate about this, you know. Anyway, it's just stupid. Um, <laughs> It's like, I love talking about this stuff. Like, I love talking about, like, you know, just how stupid people are. But then I want to be careful because I know that there might be someone listening. There could be someone listening who will think, oh, well, I think that opinion. Like, fuck you for thinking that that uh, that of me. But I'm just speaking the truth as is. Uh, I just think it's dumb. Anyways, guys, uh, yeah, definitely let me know what you think on uh, social media about that. I'm really curious. Uh, do you think James Gunn is a traitor? Like, so stupid anyways yeah let me know what you guys think on social media
And so uh, now we are going to uh, move on to our uh, second and final uh, topic, which is uh, the news about uh, Alec Baldwin is now uh, the charges against him are being dropped for, of course, the whole uh, shooting on the set of the movie Rust, which has been cra- just just blowing up uh, uh, the news um, since it happened, which was almost like, holy crap, two, almost two years ago. It happened in October 2020, 2021, and uh, now we're in, oh, like, wow, that's crazy. It is so crazy, and um, like wow, it like so. Uh, there's so many. There were so many different uh, angles to this whole situation. Um, of course, uh, you know, like the main thing is how did a live round get onto that movie set? Now, there's so many people out there that are saying, you know, uh, about oh, like why, like oh well, in those types of movies, they will use, um, they'll use real bullets for for stuff like that. but, but I, i'm like in my opinion like this is just my opinion i'm not a filmmaker i don't really know uh all the details behind it but i was basically just like in today's day and age where like you know people can can in in post-production and this is what they do anyway from what from what i understand people they do do this anyway where they will add all the effects or, or, or no sorry they will uh you know pretend to shoot ever blah 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 and then they will add the muzzle flash and the gunshot, all of that afterwards in post. So if you want to make it look real, it's like, okay, but you're already doing that in post. Like there's like, why do you even need to have a live round there to begin with? Uh, That's just my opinion. And I think that, uh, I think this whole situation is really going to change up like, you know, gun safety and, um, and uh, how, how, how people approach these types of things in movies. Like, um, I, I, I actually used this example, uh, before when, so of course you guys know, for those of you guys who saw, uh, death costs dearly in, um, uh, a few weeks ago now, almost a whole month ago now, um, we had, uh, a few scenes where some of the characters are shot on stage. Now I know they're cap guns, you know, I, so like, you know, they're, they're technically, you know, cold guns. Um, so they're safe, but you know, as a, you know, like a, as a producer, as a, as, as a, the man behind the whole operation, like I'm like the backbone behind the operation, like, you know, making sure everything's in place and all that stuff and everything's under control and everyone's safe. Uh, I said to the people who have to use the, the, the cap guns, let's still pretend like it's real, you know, like, let's still just pretend, you know, don't point it in people's faces and shoot it. Don't do anything like that. Um, I think, I've heard on some occasions of uh, someone firing a cap gun and like powder came out or like something, not powder, but like um, um, uh, uh, something came out and hurt someone or I don't know. I heard a few stories about that. I don't know like the validity behind them, but uh, I said just to be safe, you know, especially, you know, to cover, you know, all of our asses here, just for those of you using the guns, just be safe with it. Just, just act like it's a real gun, even though it's not. Um, especially because of, of this whole situation as well too like you know just so, so, something like this where you would never expect it to happen what if i you know on stage 
they use the fake gun and someone ends up getting killed like or hurt like like you know like that's just something that you just gotta do to cover your ass and uh, that's something that this whole situation um uh will most definitely do to the to the, the film industry as a whole and television um to just you know gun safety and and stuff like that so this is the article it's from uh ctv news uh prosecutors dismiss alec baldwin church citing new evidence so uh, prosecutors on Friday formally dismissed an involuntary manslaughter charge against Alec Baldwin in the fatal 2021 shooting of cinematographer on the set of the Western film Rust, citing new evidence and the need for more time to investigate. Uh, in a stunning turnaround for the 65-year-old A-list actor, special prosecutors Carrie Morrissey and Jason Lewis filed the notice to dismiss the only remaining criminal allegation against Baldwin in State of District Court in Santa Fe. Uh, prosecutors say the investigation of the shooting that killed Helena Hutchins and injured director Joel Zauza is ongoing. An involuntary manslaughter charge against Hannah uh, Gutierrez-Reed, the weapon supervisor on the film, is unchanged. Now that, yeah, that can't go unchanged because, I mean, like, that was their, her job, uh, you know, to make sure that the guns were safe. So the fact that uh, she, they claimed cold gun and it wasn't a cold gun, like, that's, you know, someone's got to be held, held accountable for that. Um Friday's court filing echoed early statements from the prosecutors that new facts have been revealed to demand further investigation and forensics analysis. Uh, on Thursday, after Baldwin's attorneys announced the decision, the special prosecutor said that the decision does not absolve Mr. Baldwin of criminal culp culp culpability and charges may be refiled. They have declined further comment and only vaguely addressed the matter during a virtual status conference Friday in, in uh, Gutierrez-Reed's case. Uh, Los Angeles-based entertainment litigator and defense attorney Kate Man Mangles, who is not involved in the Rust case, said opportunities for further changes against Baldwin are now narrowing. If they don't have evidence now, I don't see what evidence they could obtain or that could develop. Um, what happened? What's going on there? Recult? Looks like something. I'm not sure if there's a typo or something in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, there. It looks like. Oh, sorry. It's it's weird. You guys can't see this, but it's a RC. Oh, whatever. It's a typo. Um, it looks like they already had 30 people on a witness list, a cooperative co-defendant witness, investigations done by various law enforcement agencies. It seems like this is already being pretty well investigated. I can't imagine what would arise to bring new charges. Um, it's, yeah, so... Um like yeah and then they yeah they talk a little bit more about their um Baldwin's 40 career uh uh before Friday's dismissal the case against Baldwin had already been diminishing in February a weapons enhancement to the manslaughter charge was dropped reducing the maximum prison sentence from 5 years to 18 months um uh, it's yeah like that's just unbelievable like it's like it's um in this image yeah i'm just yeah they they have they have an, an image there on there so and uh now um before the show started i or before i started recording i checked it says yes they are back filming now um which i had said before that i'm like i don't know how you could go back to finish filming that movie i'm and in you know with social media being as it is nobody's gonna look at this and see just a normal western movie like all that and I couldn't even imagine. Now, here, here's one thing. I know people are so quick to say that, okay, Alec Baldwin's free, you know, like he got off, you know, the charges dropped or whatever. But just keep in mind, though, that, that, that um, yeah, sure, that's, that's good that he's not being charged. But 
at the end of the day, he's not going to move past. Like, he's going to need, like, it's going to take a, like, maybe he'll never be able to recover from this. Because, um, yeah, sure. I mean, yes, he bears some responsibility because he was the one who pulled the trigger. Uh, then again, he's not a weapons expert. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it, that's why it's a real tricky situation. Um, but I, I honestly could not even imagine going back to film that movie knowing what happened. Now, I get why they are because, like, um, I guess uh, uh, the husband of the of uh, Helena Hutchins uh, said, like, no, no, well, I mean, like, we're going to finish this movie for her. She, lit she literally died doing this movie, so we're, we're going to finish this for her. Um, but at the same time, I just don't know how you go back and finish that. You know what I mean? Like, how do you go back and finish that knowing what happened, knowing uh, all the controversy, knowing like just 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 traumatizing, like just period. Like, how could you I just don't see how you do it, but they are going through with it. So, I mean, there's nothing really you can do with that. And uh, it's good that they're going to do it to honor her memory. But I'm just saying, like, I could not even imagine having to go back after what had happened and uh and and just thinking long term for alec baldwin like how you know this is gonna affect him um he's gonna have to undergo like serious counseling and therapy if he's ever gonna move past this because i mean whether he will or not i know personally if i was in that situation i would i'd be done i would be absolutely done uh that would be it for me um but uh yeah, like, it, it, it's just, like, you wouldn't wish that on, on anybody. Now, I know Alec Baldwin doesn't have the biggest fan base. Well, or, like, big fan base, but I know he's got his uh, haters and stuff like that. People, you know, think he's think certain way about him now. Uh, that's up to people's opinions. Um, and um, I wasn't a big Alec Baldwin fan going to not just, like, the only thing I knew him from was just the Trump, uh, you know, SNL uh, impersonations. That was really all I knew Alec Baldwin from. Um, like I never watched any of his other movies and stuff. I, I was, I, I wasn't like actively following his career, uh, before all this. Um, but like really, yeah, you would, you would not wish that on, on anybody. And, um, I mean, so yeah, the charges are dropped, but he's certainly not in the clear. Uh, that's, that's, that's for damn sure. So I want to know everyone's opinion on this. Um, uh, do you like, should they continue filming the movie? Like, even though they are, they they're they're back filming now. Um, that just came in uh, about you know about ten minutes before I started recording. Is it a good idea for them to start filming, knowing what happened? Like, would you want to go back and fi and finish filming, or like, no, no, like Helena Hutchins died doing this movie. They they, they need to honor her and her legacy, and this was her passion, which I completely get, one hundred percent. I'm just saying, I could not even imagine having to go back and finish that, at knowing what had happened. Um, but, uh, anyways, that's my opinion on that guys. I want to hear your opinions on social media. Also, let me know what you think about the charges being dropped against him. Do you think it's well-deserved? Do you think, and where do you stand on the whole situation with Alec Baldwin? Do you think it was his fault? Do you think it was not his fault? Um, it's a very, uh, subjective matter here, uh, and a very tricky one and, and it's very sensitive. So just definitely be respectful. Um, when answering the questions because i know people are so quick to jump and pin the blame on somebody and uh like oh someone needs to bear responsibility. Like, like yes there's definitely someone responsible here uh you know the armor like yeah uh, like uh the weapon supervisor like there's so like like the fact that this even happened the fact that we're still talking about this is 
unbelievable. Like it's 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 unimaginable. So, anyways, let me know what you guys think about that on social media. And we're gonna call it there today, guys. Uh, I want to thank my guest uh, Eben Matthews for joining us today. Um, uh, definitely become involved with Macroverse. Um, and yeah, guys, like, thank you so much, uh, for continuing to support the show. Uh, thank you for, uh, keeping up with season two. Uh, it's crazy that we're already, uh, in April, like, like end of April, we're into May now pretty well. Um, this is the last episode of April. So the year's just flying by, uh, having a great time with this and, uh, yeah, guys. So thanks for tuning in today and I'll see you guys next week. Until then, this is Frankie signing off. Enjoy, uh, your week, your, uh, day, whatever, whenever you plan on listening to this. If you listen to this, if you listen like 10 minutes throughout the day, like I do with some podcasts, I'll drive around 10 minutes. Okay. And then listen to it again. Yeah. That's however you listen to it. Uh, have a good day. Have a good day week, whatever, and uh, we'll see you next time. Until then, see you.